from realghoststoriesonline.com. I am Tony Bruski, and welcome to another episode of our little radio program, wherever you may be joining us. Thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. And of course, uh, what we appreciate even more is you telling a friend about the show and thanking you in advance for doing just that. That's that's what I'm kind of doing right now. So if you like the show, share it with a friend. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. If you like the Pinterest, pin our shows. That helps us greatly. It helps folks know about the show. And when more folks know about the show, that gives us more ghost stories. It gives us more calls. That gives us more content to share with you on a twice-weekly basis. That's right. I said twice-weekly. We are going to start trying to put this show out to you twice a week from now on. I know. That's good news, isn't it? Now, if we can stick with it, that's a whole other thing. But uh, that is uh, that is the goal uh, that I have for us uh, to uh, to move this into a twice weekly show uh, down the road, maybe even a little bit uh, more frequently. I've uh, I'm leaving the world of terrestrial radio and terrestrial radio, radio meaning the uh, AM FM uh, part of my life uh, that I've been doing for the last 18 years to 100% run my business. Um, which is a commercial production company, an ad agency. And then I do this little thing on the side, this little show thing uh, for fun. And uh, it it opens up a lot of extra time for me to do uh, a show that I'm actually passionate about, not just, that was, this is, here's traffic, uh, because that's kind of mundane, kind of just not very creative. And I got to (laughs) say, oh, I'm not going to miss that part of it. I'm really not going to miss that part of the radio world at all. Very, very much excited about the future of this show and uh, our little uh, entertainment network that uh, I have in mind to kind of build over here in the uh, the land of podcasting over the next couple of years. So uh, that's that. Uh, please do share the show. Like I said, that really is what helps us grow. I uh, wanted to uh, talk about an interesting note that we got on Facebook that uh, talks about cemeteries because in, in a previous episode we were talking about uh, a cemetery in my hometown that decided to do something interesting have scavenger hunts they have these history walks through it and I, I applaud it I, I think it's awesome it's my favorite cemetery in the world it's called Ryanzi Cemetery and it's in a town called Fond du Lac Wisconsin and they're doing all these things to really promote the cemetery, and it's history-based, and it's just, it's like an educational thing, and it gives you a reason to go to the cemetery for good, you know, not just to go, I mean, it's one thing to go to a cemetery to mourn someone's loss, that's, I, I understand that, but, you know, if you're like me, I enjoy just going to cemeteries. I enjoy walking around. I enjoy the history. I enjoy seeing uh, some of the scenic beauty of some cemeteries. And there's plenty of cemeteries that have no scenic beauty. But there's some that really, really do. And this one really does. And the the argument that I was making, because some folks are saying, well, that's really disrespectful, having a scavenger hunt in a cemetery or having a history walk or having this or that. And I said, you know, when I'm dead... Where, where my body goes, I would love to have it in a place where people can enjoy themselves, relax, have some fun, learn about history, learn about the past, learn about all of my achievements. Yeah. It's just a guy that did that ghost show. 
Yeah, the, him. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and moving on. Um, <laughs> you know, but it would just be. It's a. It's a. It's a positive thought. I think it should be a place that can actually be enjoyed, not just for mourning. Okay. That that's my argument. And somebody sent us in a letter uh, stating that actually cemeteries used to be more of a park-like atmosphere. Here's what they wrote. They said, just a bit of history regarding certain American cemeteries. After 1830, quite a few cemeteries were designed during that time where there were a few, if any, public parks. Cemeteries were designed during that time as places for reflection and meditation, but also as one of the first public spots where families would picnic, couples would go to court each other and woo each other. Cemeteries. Yes, cemeteries. Now, I have to say, I, I have some friends who I think got some woo in some cemeteries uh, over the course of, <laughs> of my life. It wasn't me, um, but uh, I do have some friends who, that's a whole other story. We can talk about that after I finish this letter. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why American cemeteries, with a few exceptions, tend to have more open spaces and wider roads through them. Say European cemeteries, these sort of activities weren't consi- were considered disrespectful at all back then. That particular feeling about death, dying, and graves only came when Americans started distancing themselves from the elderly, sending them to hospitals to die, no longer having wakes and funerals in the home, and sending the elderly to nursing homes for someone else to care for. Okay. There you go. So originally, they were set up as sort of park-like spaces and places where you could go and do it. Okay, maybe not do it, but woo each other, whatever exactly that means. Seriously, this is... It's funny, because I'm talking about where I was just leaving radio, and I I remember uh, this was, gosh, 10 years ago, uh, being at a radio station event, and it was at some nightclub, and I had this, this... creepy, creepy program director who, who looked like he could have been an undertaker, really, in his second profession. He had one eye that kind of jutted off to the side. And he just essentially sexually harassed all of our staff until we fired him. Um, but he was just creepy. Anyway, one night, he went off and, uh, and, and had some woo in a cemetery with one of the patrons of the club event that he picked up. And he was very proud to brag about that to me. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Let me put this in my notes and let me mark that down for when I send that to HR. Yeah, he was a winner. Anyway, that's uh, that's a little interesting history about cemeteries. There you go. More than you thought you'd uh, learn uh, today uh, on this episode of Real Ghost Stories online. All right. Uh, the phone number to call if you have a real ghost story is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. You can always email it to us. Go to our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, and click that Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. That's uh, how we uh, how we get your ghost stories on this show. So, let's, um, let's go to a ghost story letter that was written to us. This comes to us from... Dallas Miller. Dallas writes in, Hi, my name is Dallas, and this is my story of a true haunting. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. My partner and I live in what we call a mini mansion, seven-bedroom home with a built-in sparkling pool with a waterfall, a hot tub for the winters. The evening of 2007, that would all change. The economy took a turn for the worse, and we had to move. 
Our best options at that time was to look for rental properties until the economy rebuilt itself. We searched for weeks and finally found a home suitable for us both. We sold all our belongings and started fresh, with more modern decor. We were now all ready to move in. The only thing left to do was get the keys from our new landlords. In November 2007, a winter storm moved in and the skies were black and the weather cold and rainy. I arrived at the rental home to get the keys from the landlord. They did seem to be a normal, nice couple. We did a quick walkthrough of the house. It was a clean, newly remodeled home inside and out with all new counters and cabinets and appliances in the kitchen. The home is 33 years old. The area, or division, is called Moon Valley. As the landlords were just getting ready to hand me the keys and head out, my wife told me something rather, well, odd. She said if you find pennies lying around where you did not notice them before, that would be a sign from our daughter. She continued to tell me that their daughter died in a car crash at the age of 15, and during the remodel of the home, there were mornings they would come in and find pennies lying around the house, and not to be frightened. They handed me the keys, and they left. I strongly believe in the paranormal, so I found their story interesting, but not frightening. The first week in December of 2007, we moved in. Within a day or so, we were totally unpacked. Everything was done. Now to understand the story, I have to give you the layout of the house. When you walk in the front door, there's a small front entryway. Straight ahead is a long room, which is the living room. In the back is the room where the formal dining table sits. There's a window looking out to the backyard and a French door leading to the backyard with a good-sized pool. To the right of the living room is a very large room, a kitchen, fireplace, laundry room, and another room with a French door off to the kitchen, which was my theater room. Back at the front entrance and to the left, you stepped up left to the master bedroom and right down the hall to the guest bathroom and two other rooms, one of our office dog rooms and a guest bedroom we called the Oriental Room. The theater room was my man cave. I spent most of the time there watching television or movies. I hung black leather curtains over the windows and over the theater French door leading out to the kitchen. From the outside, it was not very eye-appealing, so my partner and I decided to hang a valance and long earth-toned curtains to cover the French door. Once the curtain was hung, it was hard to tell if it was a door or a window behind the curtain. Either way, it gave a nice appearance to the kitchen area. We had two small lap dogs. Our first week of moving was hectic, and our two dogs were not getting the attention they deserved. Both were acting strange. We figured it was a new home to them and a new environment. They both would bark at the ceiling or at the door to the corner of the room as if something was there. Dogs would often sit on my partner's lap while watching television in his recliner, and the dogs would sense something and start barking and growling at something towards the kitchen area. I just arrived at home from work. It was around 9 p.m. My partner was sitting in his recliner, both legs in his lap watching TV. The weather was very cold that evening, so I decided to take a hot bath. We haven't opened a window or abused a fireplace or even used the heater since we moved in. I'm now enjoying my hot bath when my partner comes in to the bathroom and asks if I'm all right. I told him I'm fine. Why? He said, I'll explain once you're done bathing. A little background on my partner. He grew up knowing nothing about the church, the Bible, Jesus, God, the devil, demons, or anything paranormal. He believes in only what I've told him. But for the most part, he's skeptic. He tells me something very strange has happened and begins to tell me it was as if a tall man was in the theater room, walked through the door into the curtain, 
that lifted about six feet, nearly touching the ceiling, and slowly came back down to the floor. He said the dog sensed it first and started barking towards the theater door. When I looked over there, that's when I saw the curtain lifting up into the air. He said he got up and went over to investigate and found the door closed and nothing out of the norm. He continues to tell me that once he sat back down at his recliner, he started hearing what sounded like a moaning cry coming from the back of the house. And that's when he came to check up on me to see if I was all right. My daughter and niece came to visit. We all gathered in the kitchen. I was telling my daughter and niece about the incident that happened. With the curtain, about 30 minutes into the story, the living room picture comes up off the wall, scaring the hell out of us. We were all shaken up, but we continued to visit, and then they left. The house seems to come alive, unexplained noises. This house never shuts up and makes strange noises constantly. When you're alone in the house, you would swear someone was there with you. I'd come home during the day from a walk and walk into what sounded like a full-blown conversation. The moment you stepped inside, it would go silent. There's always a feeling that you're not alone, and someone or something was always right there watching and waiting. My theater room was the worst 99% of the time. It felt like someone was in there with you, standing in the back, watching your every move. At times, you would hear what sounded like a door within the house opening or closing. You'd go investigate it, but would find nothing out of the norm. I'd be somewhere within the house, hear what sounded like my partner just walking in. I'd start talking to him to find out or know what was going on, and no one was even there. My daughter and boyfriend came over to visit. We're all in the living room, talking, probably about the strange things going on in the house, when all of a sudden, the fire alarms and back part of the house started going off, scaring us all. We all went running room to room looking for the fire, but found nothing. The smell of smoke was very strong in one area, but a foot away, you would smell nothing. Actually, there was no smoke to set the alarms off, period, so we were all at a loss. I felt, after this incident, things started to escalate. Now, there was no, not so much activity in the house when my daughter came over quite frequently alone or sometimes with her boyfriend. She told me she was going to bring her camera and start taking pictures of the inside of the house. We decided we would start taking some pictures with the lights turned off. She advised we go room to room and take pictures to see if anything shows up. One picture showed a brilliant orb in the kitchen and several in the master bedroom. I know in the paranormal world, a lot of orbs are just dust or bugs, but with the activity in the house and the feelings I got that those orbs were not dust, but spirits that have not manifested. Every time that my daughter came to visit, she would bring her digital camera. I decided to get a voice recorder and would set up my theater room, tag the date and time and leave it run until until it automatically stopped. The next day, I'd listen to the recorder and hear what sounded like someone coming into the room, open and shut the door, sit down next to, rec- next, next to the recorder. The seats in the room are leather, so you could hear like someone was sitting down in the chair. I did not hear any voices, but there was no doubt that someone was there in that room. It's been several months now that we have lived in the house. Now family and friends know the paranormal events happening in the home. Some advise we bless the home with sage. Friends would bring holy water from their Catholic church. Friends wanted to do a seance or bring a Ouija board. I would sound interested, but had no intentions of ever doing anything like that, afraid it would cause more problems and make things worse. 
People do not seem to realize my partner and I are the ones that are living here and have to deal with the unknown. And family and friends can just say their goodbyes and go home for a peaceful, normal life. My daughter and boyfriend were ever visiting. My partner was in his recliner, and the dogs were in their kennel for a night. I was on the living room floor stretching when all of a sudden it felt like an icy, cold hand touched my leg. I told my daughter, quick, take a picture of my legs down at my calf area, and sure enough, an orb was sitting on my calf right where I felt the icy, cold hand on me. It did not scare me, but I was starting to wonder why us? Why this house? Why does it want us? What does it want from us? Is it reaching out for us for a reason? Is it the landlord's daughter? My partner and I started feeling like we were going nuts. No one understands until it happens to them. It's so easy for people to tell you that what they would do. The only thing is that they're not going through this. They're not living and dealing with it day in and day out. In the broad daylight, we would hear the silverware drawers opening and closing, female voices saying hello. Daytime naps were always an adventure, banging on the headboard and footboard of the bed. On several occasions, it felt like someone was getting in the bed with you feeling of the mattress being pressed down and the blankets being moved. I, of course, would freak out and the nap would come to an end. My partner and I would hear full-blown conversations in our room at night of two females talking back and forth between each other. We were never able to understand them or what they were saying, but either way, it spooked us. I would watch light animalities on a certain wall in the bedroom. Oh yes, one would say, it's car lights coming in the room and reflecting off something. But when you see this light's abnormality, more and more in the same place, you can rule out car lights. It would move in the grace in a very, very graceful way and would disappear after a while. My partner and I were locking up and getting ready for bed. At the threshold of our bedroom door, we were starting to hear a beeping sound. My partner looked over at the bedroom phone and it was blinking off and on. He stayed in the room, and I went to the kitchen to see if the kitchen phone was blinking, and it was. I noticed our computer was not working as well, and found that the GFI had been tripped, needing to be reset. The computer came back on, and by this time, my partner was at my side after about ten minutes. We went back to bed again. At the threshold of her bedroom door, the automated voice on the phone started saying, You have no messages. To erase all messages. It then started talking like it was carrying on a conversation with you. I realize you have to physically push the buttons on the phone for the automated voice to speak. So day in and day out we heard voices, unexplained noises, the same spooky stuff we've been hearing for months now. And it started getting on our last nerve. Now we were seeing movement out of the peripheral vision. You would think you would see someone or something. Dogs continued to freak out and bark at doors, corners, etc. I started using my voice recorder to talk to the spirits, asking for a sign, but never really got more than just unexplained noise. We were both asleep. My partner woke me, asking if I sensed anything. I asked why he was sitting up in bed, staring into the bathroom. He said, how would you know that I was sitting up and staring into the bathroom? That happened before I even woke you up. To this day, I cannot explain how I knew to even ask him this. Now that I was awake, I noticed he was very frightened and shaking. I asked him to tell me what happened. He said he had a nightmare, and in the dream, a young boy was in our room, levitating off the floor and then violently thrown out of the room. 
He, he then looked straight ahead and saw a face staring back at him with glowing blue eyes. In the dream, he woke me up frightened of the face. In his dream, he woke me up and turned to look at him and my left eye started dropping and drooping and the pupil of my eye was melting like wax. I told him, it's starting again. In the dream, he said, he started rebuking in the name of the Lord. He told me he does not even know what rebuking means. I explained to him that rebuking is a phrase you use to get rid of demons that are attacking you. He said once he was awake, he started sensing something or someone in the bathroom area, but it was dark and he could not see. The next day, I told my partner I'm tired and fed up with this crap happening to us. I started looking for a local paranormal investigation group. I knew it was it had to be done. And we, we both had our wits end and had to do something to set our minds at ease and know we were not going crazy. After searching the web, I finally found a group that sounded legit. The names are the Arizona, the Arizona Paranormal Investigations, API. I emailed them and explained what was going on and what's happening in our home. It did not take long for them to respond back to set up a date to meet and talk about our experiences. We met at a Starbucks. They wrote on everything that happened to us. Date for 5-3-2008. May 3rd finally arrived and the group showed up around 5 o'clock to interview the neighbors and the landlord and to ask if any deaths they're aware of had occurred in or around the home. Many more questions were asked before they started. During the interview process, the landlord started to share all the paranormal occurrences that took place in the home while it was being remodeled, even to a point where they called a psychic to investigate the home. Once that was done, the group set up all their equipment, though throughout the house, voice recorders in every room plus infrared cameras, the PC monitors were set up in the kitchen counters. They went through the house inside and out to see if they could debunk or find anything scientific that could be causing our problems. They found nothing in their scientific approach. The investigators asked us both who had witnessed most of the activities. I told them my partner. They advised everyone except my partner and two investigators, one to watch the video monitors and the other to do a walkthrough with my partner. They advised we leave the home and go outside until they were completed. My partner was informed not to talk and to be silent through the walk of the house. They walked into the dark room and room to room while the investigator wore a headset and talked to the spirits. Per my partner, the investigator would ask questions at times, would respond to what they felt were responses from the spirits. As they approached the fireplace close to where the video monitors were set up, the investigator informed my partner to not talk. He informed them with gestures that he had not spoke. Afterwards, they said they heard a male voice and thought it was my partner, but it wasn't. They also mentioned that they were hearing female voices in the master bedroom. I told my partner while he is doing this walkthrough, I was going to run over to my sister's home only three miles up the road and I'll be right back. He called me after the walk and told me to get back to the house so I can be there for the second part of the investigation. Once I arrived, they were all taking a 10-minute break and had completed the second part of the investigation without me. This is what happened during my absence. The microphone on its own, very own accord, flipped backwards. And one of the investigators was sensing a female by the front entryway and moving down the hall towards the back rooms. They asked many questions to the spirits in the home. And that ended the second part.
The third part of the investigation was all of us sitting in each room throughout the house asking questions. Each room we investigated, we spent around 15 minutes or more asking questions and waiting for unusual and unexplained noises, disembodied voices, or anything out of the norm. I believe it was close to to midnight once they left. My partner and I waited three weeks before we heard word from the API group. We both thought we would hear the reveal of what was going on in the home, but that was not the case. The group wanted to come back and investigate portions of the house where they felt areas had to be reinvestigated so they could debunk unexplained things they picked up on recorders and videos, etc. The first week in June 2008, the API group arrived once again, but this time it was only two investigators. We sat in the backyard and talked before they began the investigation. I told them the last three weeks had been rather quiet, and I hope this visit does not stir things up again. They advised that it could stir up activity again, but then again, it might not. We sat in the kitchen area and again started asking questions, but nothing much really happened. We moved to the master bedroom, and during the question asking, we did hear some unexplained noises and voices. We then moved to the oriental bedroom. Once in the room, one investigator sat on the floor in front of the dresser with an EMF meter sitting on top of the dresser. Another sat in the chair close to the closet, and my partner and I sat together on one side of the bed. Again, we started talking to the spirits and asking questions. All of a sudden, the house seemed to come alive. The noises came from above my partner and I's head. It was as if someone was on the roof above us or noises within the walls. The investigator continued to keep a mental note on how many times these noises were coming and going. And then we started hearing noises coming from within the closet as if someone was actually in there. It was a very scary moment and very intense. We voiced our opinions on what just happened to us. I said, it sounds like someone or something is in the closet. This time I was pretty shaken up. We started again, but this time we opened the closet and turned off the lights. We didn't even get out the first question, and the EMF meter went off, beeping and flashing red. All of a sudden, sadness entered the room. That's the only way I can describe it. I was getting teary-eyed and wanted to cry. I spoke up and told them I feel sad, and I feel like I want to cry. We stopped the investigation at that very moment. We turned on the lights, went back to the living room, and talked a short time, and then they left. Nothing changed. It did not go away. But my feelings are, as my partner and I got used to our daily and nighttime visitors, they got used to us as well as things calmed down. But keep in mind, they were not gone. API called and came back for the reveal. API gave us a DVD. And on it were EVPs. You could hear the oriental closet doorknob giggling and then opening. Loud snapping noises in the hallway. The most shocking evidence was the EVP picked up in the theater room. It is the voice of a man asking and saying, Where's Dallas? Where's Dallas? The EVP is very clear, very scary. And of course, I asked, How do I know that was not one of you saying this? They figured I would ask this question. The recorders are tagged with date and time. We checked every recorder place in the home. The only recorder at that specific time was a recorder set up in the theater room where my voice was picked up, or where the voice was picked up. My heart dropped to my knees. I didn't know if I should be scared or privileged that the spirit wanted to be there with them. I wasn't even present when the male voice was picked up in the theater room. Several times on two different occasions in the evening time, the only way I can explain this is as if someone, something very huge landed on the roof of the home, shaking the house with so much force it felt like an explosion. 
I would ask neighbors if they heard or felt anything, and of course, the reply was no. It happened again and again, probably a month later, and again, no one heard or felt anything. I would take nighttime swims in the pool when the evenings were hot. I would see human-like shadows in different areas, but mainly over the backyard French doors of the porch by the windows. I continued to see things that I knew were not my imagination. We had enough and moved out into another rental home. Thank you for that very, very intense story. That was a very, very interesting story. If you have a real ghost story, we would love to hear it and share it on a future episode. You can send it to us. Go to our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and share with us your real ghost story. Or call it into us at 855-853-4802. Again, the number is 855-853-4802. You'll have two minutes to share your story on the message there. We may use it on a future episode here at Real Ghost Stories Online. And if you'd like a bonus episode, we still have this to give out. This is a bonus episode of the show that we taped a little while back. And it's a thank you for sharing the show. It's a non-public episode. It's one that's not out there just in the regular roll of episodes on YouTube. This is exclusively sent to you. I email this to you as a thank you for sharing the show. So send me a screenshot of where you shared the show, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, and uh, I will then email you a link personally to that bonus episode. You email Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com to get that bonus episode of Real Ghost Stories Online as a thank you for sharing the show with your friends. Because that, of course, my friends, is what allows our show to grow, get bigger and better and more episodes as we try and do this now twice a week. So keep watching for more episodes more frequently uh, than ever before. By the way, what's with Sage? Why is it when you're trying to get entities out of a house, what's up with Sage? The only time I really use Sage in cooking is at Thanksgiving when I'm stuffing a turkey or something. And then I guess when I'm trying to drive demons out. Makes a turkey delicious and gets rid of demonic spirits, I guess. I don't know, I'm, I'm curious. If anyone knows the history of the Sage thing, email me. I'd love to hear the answer to that one. Tony, T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com. T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com. With the Sage thing or, or your screenshot where you're sharing the show. Because that's that's really what I'd love more, is you to share the show. Maybe you know about Sage. Tell us about Sage. Until next time, from Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thank you for listening.